Listening to your rights at work, Chris Garlock here with Ed Smith, and we have got a great show for you today. Zach Weinstein from Jews United for Justice is going to tell us about wins, losses, and a few things in between. Get some highlights from this year's DC City Council fights. Ed Smith knows a little bit about that. Also, Brandon Rees from the AFL CIO is going to talk to us about the uh, latest executive paywash report and uh it ain't pretty, as usual. No news there. Also, very special, uh, we have been doing the Tales of the Resistance original radio serial from the wonderful folks at the San Francisco Mime Troop. We have episode three for you a little bit later this hour, The Good Cop, and that's the uh, the first one in their horror series. So uh, buckle in, Ed. I know we're going to look forward to that. But uh, but first, Ed Smith, how the heck are you, brother? Yeah, I hope everybody missed us last week. I missed being <laughs> on the show. Uh, we took a little brief respite. Yeah, we did. Um, but uh, it's good to be back, and I'm very uh, excited to talk about uh, some of the gains and losses of uh, labor in the past year with our two gentlemen. Uh, it should be a very interesting discussion, and uh, hopefully we will continue to move onward and upward. We've got a lot of fights still ongoing. Yeah, we do. 202-588-0893 is the number to call if you want to join the show. Uh, but what the heck, let's jump right into it. Uh, I see we've got both Zach and Brandon. So Zach Weinstein, welcome. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me. And Brandon Rees, also great to have you. Uh, nice. To, I haven't seen you. We work in the same building and uh, our building is still locked down, isn't it? That's right, Chris. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got in last week for a few minutes to pick up some things. It was very odd going into the office for the first time in like five months, but uh, the folks are keeping things rolling there, and I guess eventually we will be back there. Zach, let's start off with you, uh, your, your colleague uh, at Jesus United for Justice put out a really uh, great report on, uh, as, as, as you guys say, wins, losses, and a few things in between. I'd like to get into a little bit of the weeds because uh, there's a lot of things in between, but there were some wins and definitely some losses. You want to give us the, the highs and the lows? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the most important wins uh, for the long term that we won this budget season in D.C. Uh, was pushing back on the dominant austerity narrative. Every mm -hmm. time there's an economic crisis, big business, politicians, the first thing they're going to do is say, there's a shortfall. We're cutting social services. We're cutting programs that benefit working people. And uh, we were able to not only prevent um, a lot of the worst cuts, including um, there were rumors of a push to, to cut money from paid family leave, which was which launched this summer. Um, we were able to successfully push back on that. Um, and we were able to contest that narrative by actually going on the offensive and saying, no, you actually should raise taxes on the rich and increase funding for social services during this pandemic and the accompanying economic crisis. And to some extent, we were successful. We did um, roll back some corporate giveaways um, to so-called like high tech companies here in D.C. Um, and that netted 
uh, tens of millions of dollars for programs for excluded workers and affordable housing. Um, in terms of the lows, um, we did see the council vote down an amendment to uh, slightly increase taxes for the wealthiest DC residents, folks making over $250,000 a year. Um, and then only a week or two later, we saw the chair decide to roll back um, another tax increase um, and then make cuts to the budget in an extremely anti-democratic backroom. Um, and he uh, you know, was one of the people who voted against raising taxes on the wealthy. And then a week later, he was saying, well, you know, I guess we'll just have to make cuts to the budget because people don't like this other tax that I raised. So we're, we've seen uh, that we still have a lot of work to do to make sure the council will consistently uh, or at all vote to raise taxes uh, on the wealthy. Um, yeah. Let me let me get uh, Ed Smith on this, but but before before I get in on this, because uh, Ed I know has has been part of that, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, you know traditionally during these kinds of fights, uh, you know labor has been down at the Wilson Building, you know Jewish United for Justice, Jobs with Justice, you know all, all of the usual suspects. You know we we uh, we fill up the Wilson Building, we're in the the room. Tell me about trying to conduct these kinds of battles virtually. I mean, we've been doing a radio show virtually for months and that's weird enough, but it's really hard for me to imagine, you know, doing, I mean, so much of this has to do with confronting power face to face, right? Yeah. I mean, even some of the things you think would work, jamming the phone lines, for example, <laughs> just doesn't have the same impact because they're not at the office. So it's not right. like the council members are hearing the phones ring. Um, I mean, I'll give a lot of credit to uh, Jobs with Justice and Many Languages, One Voice and groups in the local movement for Black Lives for going to the where we know the council members are, which is going to their houses. Right. Um, and making their demands known in person face to face because there wasn't that opportunity at the Wilson building. And the groups that led the charge on that, I think, played a major role in the victories that were won and the defeats that were staved off this budget cycle. Let me get uh, Ed Smith, uh, who I know has been fighting as usual for the nurses and, and, and everybody else as well. But go ahead, Ed. Hi, Zach. Good to see you on the show. Um, nice to see your face uh, by Zoom. So that is one advantage of our Zoom calls on the radio. Uh, perhaps the audience can't see you, but you look good. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I don't know uh, how I'd grade this this year's progress, uh, probably middling. Um, as you know, there was also cutbacks on uh, um, salary salary freezes um, for um, government workers. Um, and, of course, we had a real problem with that because, number one, it uh, negates collective bargaining, uh, basically says you can't even bother uh, negotiating wage rates this year because the legislature legislate, legislators uh, froze them. And number two... Uh, we didn't think it needed to happen. Again, Zach's point about having um, no uh, increases on the wealthy, that was very disturbing. And uh, for a council that calls itself progressive, um, it was very disturbing. And Zach, you know, one of the things that I found very challenging was not being able to bring in a busload or two of seniors to uh, challenge the council on the uh, health care issues east of the river. Um where do you think uh, some of our battles are going to be fought in the next few months? And again, how are we going to fight them? 
I think um, I, folks on on the show and listening might have seen that you know there's new um, revenue projections that are supposed to come out uh, in September, and that means that we might be fighting another uh, budget battle actually in the fall. So I do think a lot of the fight's going to be there, and I think again we're going to have to raise the cry that you know their their first instinct is going to be to cut you know, cut salaries for workers, cut benefits and programs that benefit workers. And we need to remind them that people actually want the police budget cut and they want taxes increased on the highest uh, income earners. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest fights coming up. Zach Weinstein, he's the D.C. community organizer with Jews United for Justice. I'm Chris Garlock with Ed Smith and your rights to work. Let's bring in Brandon Rees. He's the deputy director of corporations and capital markets at the AFL-CIO. Uh, Brandon, you guys just about uh, two weeks ago released the 2020 executive pay watch report. Uh, I know I always uh, ex- you know, anxiously await this, although I have to say, it's never really news, right? I mean, it's it's just sort of, you know, uh, and this has to do, of course, with the pay ratios. Of, of you, you go ahead. You probably have a better way of doing describing it than I do. Great. Thanks, Chris. It's a pleasure to be with you today and talking about uh, the imbalance in our economy. Uh, it should be no surprise to your listeners that uh, – the uh, imbalance between uh, this pay of CEOs and working people continues to be a problem. So uh, on our website at paywatch.org, you can see that in 2019, the CEOs of S&P 500 companies received on average $14.8 million in total compensation. Uh, And the average ratio of CEO to worker pay for S&P 500 companies was 264 to 1. So not only are we uh, highlighting those averages, but we're, we're pulling out uh, a list of what we're calling the 1,000 to 1 club pay ratio companies that furloughed their workforces in 2020. Uh, so there were 20 companies who had CEO to worker pay ratios over 1,000 to 1 last year who uh, furloughed substantial portions of their workforces due to COVID-19-related shutdowns. So this wall of shame uh, is viewable on our website, paywatch.org. So, uh, Brandon, I did some poking around. I I, I, actually, I love delving into this. I mean, you guys, I don't know who does the research, whether it's you or you got, uh, you probably got a bunch of folks there to help dig. I mean, it is really amazing. So let me just put some some local spin on this. I went and I looked up uh, Maryland. <coughs> Uh, I'm up here in, in Tacoma Park. So Under Armour, which I love their stuff, uh, their av- the median worker pay, and I was, I got to tell you, I was a bit shocked at this, $12,000, just over $12,000 is their median worker pay. Their ratio is a measly 491 to 1. So they don't even really crack your your big list there, but that's a local company that, that folks know. Uh, Marriott, of course, is an international company, but they're Maryland-based uh, 38,000, just about 39,000 is their median worker pay, 346 to one. Uh, Sinclair, Sinclair Broadcast, which we know it's a, a, they're all across the country, but they're local, 48,000 is their median, 206 to one. So this is just some of the local uh, companies that, you know, people know around here, uh, sort of household names, if you will. So really just, I, I can't say it's shocking because, you know, it's, 
it, we see this every year, but the numbers are pretty astounding, right, Brandon? Yeah, and it was, so the, the highest pay ratio company last year was the retailer Abercrombie and Fitch, and uh, it had a pay an astounding pay ratio of over four thousand to one. Uh, and its median employee made less than $2,000 in annual compensation last year. Um, Abercrombie Fitch is one of those companies that furloughed its workforce uh, in response to COVID-19. And at that time, like many CEOs, they uh, took symbolic salary cuts, which sounded good on paper. But in reality, it was only a tiny fraction of their total compensation. So base salary, unlike for, for working people, your salary is, is the majority, if not all of your total compensation. For a CEO, it's less than, less than 10% of your total pay. And at that same time, the, or just two weeks prior to those furloughs, the CEO of Abercrombie & Fitch received a huge grant of equity compensation. Uh, that was more more than twice what was received the previous year at that time. So we, what we saw was this uh, the CEO pay flim flam, where they they offered symbolic salary cuts at the same time took massive equity grants at the uh, low point of the stock market uh, earlier this year, and now have made back many times that amount of compensation as the stock market has recovered. Um, and of course, as your your uh, uh, listeners know, the, the stock market uh, really doesn't care about uh, unemployed working people. Uh, they the stock market cares all about corporate profits. Uh, and as they've rebounded, uh, the CEO pay packages have been lifted up uh, because of because of uh, that recovery. So uh, it really it really was um, you know a um, uh, essentially window dressing. Uh, to, uh, you know, make a show of, of solidarity, but at the same time, uh, we're, we're rating the corporate, uh, piggy bank by, by taking equity compensation in the form of stock options and restricted stock. Um, you know, what, one of the things I just want to highlight is that visitors to our Paywatch website, we're encouraging people to, uh, to support the Heroes Act, uh, and to contact their senator and urge relief for working people who are unemployed right now. Um, as, as, as I'm sure your listeners know, the, uh, federal, uh, unemployment assistance expired last week, uh, and, um, and now people are facing significant cuts in their, in their, uh, unemployment insurance. The HEROES Act also has a provision in it that will help limit CEO pay. Uh, companies that have over $1 million in CEO pay will be, uh, will be prevented from receiving retroactive tax refunds on their corporate income taxes that were previously paid. So we're trying to shut down this loophole in CEO pay and not reward companies uh, like Abercrombie and Fitch that have such astounding pay ratios of over 4,000 to 1. Well, this is probably why Mitch is not a big fan of the Heroes Act, Brandon, I'm thinking. <laughs> so, but that, uh, that brings Zach back in on the local level because you know, this is sort of the 30,000 foot view right on down to the local level. I mean, you saw this dynamic playing out uh, in, in your battles, you know, in the D.C. City Council. You talked about that. And I want you to, to kind of delve into that a little bit in terms of just the, the attitude that you saw from our elected leaders here on the ground uh, towards the people who really need this help the most. Not the folks that Brandon who we're talking about who are doing just fine. Thank you. Yeah, I to be to be 100% honest, they were eager and excited to pass the buck. I was outside of Council Chair Phil Mendelson's house uh, when undocumented and excluded workers 
were uh, asking for more uh, funding uh, and financial assistance because they were cut out uh, from federal and uh, he said, you know, you got to take it up with Trump. And they <laughs> love to pretend there's nothing they can do. Um, and, you know, unfortunately here in D.C., these are all Democrats, um, except the two that are independents and are left of the Democratic Party in general. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, big business still has a huge influence um, on the local Democratic Party here. And so it's really important. Um, that we put all the pressure we can on on these elected officials because they're not going to move, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts. They're going to move because uh, there is uh, more political pressure brought to bear than they want to deal with, um, and that's going to be really important as this uh, as this pandemic continues. Ed Smith. Well, the good news is, uh, come January, we will should have another supportive voice on the council in Janice uh, Lewis George. Uh, the bad news is we got stuff coming up in September. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I always love my healthcare issues. And so I pulled up the site and looked at healthcare companies ratios and they are very high. Uh, um, universal health, universal hey, health services, Chris. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh yeah. Your, your friends, your favorite people, are our favorite people, right? <laughs> They're the ones going to be running the hospital in Southeast 629.1. I'm sorry, 629 to 1 is the ratio. 629. Uh, HCA Healthcare, 478. Tenant Healthcare, these are huge companies, 452. Uh, my question, um, I guess to Brandon is, do, have you guys delved down and taken a look at healthcare? Obviously, you've got it, um, separated out that I could look at it. Um, did you find that generally healthcare, uh, corporations were, had a higher ratio than most or was the was the study not in that much detail and what are your thoughts on it so visitors to our executive paywatch website uh can view uh their um uh companies by industry uh by um by state uh, headquarters um and um by uh index size so if they're in the s p 500 or russell 3000 index uh, we have all publicly traded uh, companies in the Russell 3000 in the Executive Paywatch website. Uh, and you're, you're right to note that there are uh, disparities based on, uh, based on industry. Um, some industries, you know, and, and some companies treat their employees um, as uh, partners uh, and, uh, and invest in them and pay high wages with good steady jobs that can support families. Uh, and those, those companies, uh, are, um, you know, will have relatively lower pay ratios to, uh, other companies that, uh, that are treating their workforces as being disposable. That's exactly what we saw with this 1000 to one, uh, club, uh, of, of, uh, companies that furloughed their workforces. Uh, these companies essentially treated their workers as being disposable when the going got tough, uh, and, and furloughed them in response to, to COVID-19. Um, so yes, there's certainly examples of um, companies in the healthcare industry that have uh, um, very, very um, uh, high pay ratios. Uh, ironically, in um, in pharma, in in um, uh, in uh, um, in some of the the tech pharma companies, you see very high median worker pay uh, because they they may have um, 
you know, uh, uh, scientists and, and other other experts who, who really make up the bulk of their workforce. Uh, whereas uh, the larger companies that, that have the most employees, uh, those that are providing, um, uh, you, you know, day-to-day healthcare to, to working people, uh, will have much higher pay ratios because they they pay their their employees much less compensation. So, Brandon, before we let you go, can you just remind folks the website uh, for the report? Yes. So you can find it uh, uh, either linked off the AFLCIO's website at aflcio.org/paywatch, uh, or if you type into your browser www.paywatch.org you'll be redirected to the site. Yeah, and we'll put it on the DC Labor uh, website and also with the podcast as well. Brandon, wonderful work. As always, we really appreciate, uh, you know, all the work that you've done and also taking a few minutes to bring folks up to speed on us today. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right. And Zach, uh, just to remind folks where they can keep up on all the great stuff that uh, Jews United for Justice is doing. Uh, yeah, you can go to jufj.org. All right. Lots of good stuff, including that report. Thanks so much to you as well for the report and also for all the great work you guys are doing. And both of you stay safe out there, right? Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Zach Thank Weinstein you. Bye. DC Community Organizer with Jews United for Justice and Brandon Reeds is Deputy Director, Corporations and Capital Markets at the AFL-CIO. Uh, and again, uh, paywatch.org, uh, just look up paywatch, it'll, it'll actually come up, or jufj.org. Uh, some pretty serious stuff there, right, Ed? Well, you know, it's sobering, and it's not surprising, but it is very, very important to continue to bring it up. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was a little surprised to see some of the healthcare giants with almost triple the average ratio than um that i think it was you said it was 270 to one um and pay that kind of surprised me um but that's what you live with and hopefully (laughs) hopefully uh we will continue to make changes in in our philosophy if you will i think i think one of the good things chris is the country has awoken a little bit and i think part of the uh the uh, black lives matter protest on george floyd that also resonates with people about wages and about workers' rights and about rights of immigrants. And I think it's, I feel a movement happening. I don't know about you. Oh, absolutely. And that is a, that's a very nice lead into uh, our next feature, yes, uh, which indeed. is Tales of the Resistance. This is an original radio serial from the wonderful folks at the San Francisco Mime Troop. Been dealing with these kinds of issues for I think like 50 years, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and they have uh, another sort of nice effect of the uh, pandemic has been uh, since they can't be out performing, they put their talents to uh, to work creating this radio serial. There was a, a detective noir that was our first one, and then last uh, last time we did uh, your favorite, the uh, Susie, nurse Susie Terse, uh, focusing on the inequities of the healthcare system. Today is horror. And uh, this this is called The Good Cop. It's uh, a MAGA hat-wearing right-wing immigrant. Primo is tormented by his racist fears and haunted by his fate when he's caught up in a protest oh for justice-turned-riot. So don't touch that dial. We're going to go ahead and roll that now. You're listening to Your Rights at Work with Chris Garlock 
and Ed Smith. Enjoy. This is Radio Mime Troop, and welcome to Tales of the Resistance, a summer of original political comedy radio plays by the confusingly named, always radical, and never ever silent San Francisco Mime Troop. Join us for stories in four classic radio styles. Adventure, detective noir, horror, and science fiction. Every two weeks, we will be presenting one episode written, directed, and performed by Mime True veterans and dealing with the revolutionary issues of the day. But first, this word from our sponsor. Cities all across America are growing, improving, and getting more modern every day. And they choose Vanderbilt's veneers as the earth-friendly solution for giving old buildings a chance at being new again. Vanderbilt's veneers, paints, shellacs, and washes are so thick and so strong that a single coat will do the job. Paint over graffiti or garish colors with Vanderbilt's veneers, available in every shade from heather gray to taupe, and all with less mess, less fuss, and most importantly, fewer chemicals. Vanderbilt's veneers. Cover it up with just one coat. Good evening, friends, and welcome to The Abyss. This is your guide, the Gravekeeper, with another tale to shiver your spine and shatter your privilege. <laughs> Tell me, are you afraid of the dark? Are you frightened by the blackness of the night, the blackest of the shadows, and the darkness of those people? Are you one of those who don't know what all the fuss is about, all these protests are about? Do you think the dark should just lighten up? Hmm? <laughs> or do you think the dark are out to get you? <laughs> well, tonight we have a tale about a fellow who might be just like you. He may even be you. Nowadays, he's a bartender who serves drinks, but he used to protect and serve. Yes, Primo the bartender is a retired police officer. A good cop, he'd say. But while his eyes were brown, it seems he always only saw through the whites. <laughs> it's the story of the good cop. I don't know, Primo. What's the country coming to? Yeah. All these black rioters, always complaining. And right outside my bar. Slavery's chains have never been broken. The board still remains. Get a job, you gummies! Insulting the country, spitting on the flag, saying we gotta respect their freedom of speech, the First Amendment. Hm. If freedom of speech is so important, why is it in the First Amendment? 
Nobody pays any attention to what's at the beginning of anything. That's the part you skip over. Yeah, like skipping over the introduction of a book. Like like when we read... Everybody knows you don't put the good part at the start. Back in school, we had to read... The Second Amendment. That's where you start. That's where the important part is. Last book I read, uh, junior high. <laughs> and none of these rights are worth a damn without our right to bear arms. The Secret of Nimha. What? It's about Mrs. Frisbee and a bunch of rats, but she's a mouse, and they're smart and magical. We protect the other amendments with the guns of the Second Amendment from all these... And... What? I didn't read the introduction. Point is, the Second Amendment is fundamental. Everything else is built on that. Guns and freedom. They should have put that at the top. First. Yeah. But wouldn't people skip it? Shut up. Okay. Well, I might as well close up. Why? No curfew anymore. Yeah, but my wife wants me home early nowadays. With all these Black Lives Matter rioters, she doesn't want me out at night. Is she afraid of the dark? <laughs> the dark are why I have this. A thirty-eight? A little souvenir from my days as a cop. Twenty years? Hmm. Don't get me wrong. When I came here from the Philippines, I saw how the blacks were treated. So I wasn't one of these cops kids watch on the Facebook. None of the dark ever had reason to complain about me. Darn right. I followed the rules. I saw some terrible things done by other cops, but I never got involved. You were a good cop. Many was the time some cops asked me to help hold down some black guy while they beat him, but I just turned my back. Good for you. I'd just walk away without a word so they'd know. Know what? That I wasn't racist like them. Then you'd report him. Of course not. Cops have a code of honor. We're all that stands between civilization and chaos. The law of the jungle. Thin blue line. But not taking part in their beatings and killings showed them I didn't approve. Killings? Sometimes I'd get partnered with one of these guys, and I could tell he was just in a bad mood, looking for blood. We'd run up on some black guy walking down the street, my partner'd get out, and bam! Really? Maybe they'd plant some gun on the guy, but I never helped. And I never filed false reports to cover it up. No. Huh. I always made him do it. Because you were a good cop. Damn right. Even if these blacks are all crack whores and criminals, we can't let them destroy our sense of right and wrong. Blacks are ruining good cops by making them bad. But we can't let them ruin what's special about America. Dark, dark, dark. Yeah. I like that Beyonce, though. Well, she's beautiful. Until she got all ghetto. Now I can't even drink lemonade without thinking of the Black Panthers. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. Hello? Hey, honey. I'm just leaving. What? Something wrong? I'll be right there. What's going on? Some of the Black Lives thugs broke off the main group, and Betty says they're about to swarm our house. Just like the rats. What rats? The rats of Nimha. Ah, what the hell? I'm telling you again. Clear the street! We're not afraid of you! This is an unlawful protest! You're all unlawful cops! The street's full of protesters. I'm not letting these Black Lives bastards get me! Why would they be after you? Because! Because they're... Oh. Looters! Get away from my bar! Damn it, Primo, put that away! When the looting starts, the shooting starts! That's what the president said! You black commie bastards! Freeze! Oh, hi there. We uh, oh, we didn't know anyone was in here, did we, Chip? Gosh, no. 
Were you the guys breaking my windows? No, 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 no. Yes. Chip. Well, honey, we did break the windows. I'm sorry, we haven't introduced ourselves. I'm Sally, and this is my husband, Chip. We're, We're the, the Rivertons. Rivertons. And you are? Why did you break my windows? The windows. So, yes, it was us, but we were just... Uh... Yes, it was because... No, that wasn't it. I thought you were looters. Looters? Us? us? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Everyone knows black people are doing all the looting. Then why did you break my windows? It was... It was so that the black looters wouldn't have the satisfaction of breaking them. Yes, and we broke down the door and came into... Protect all the liquor in what we thought was an unprotected bar. Right, Sally? Exactly, golly, yes! What were you two doing out in that riot? Well, we were... Shopping! Chip. Sorry. What Chip meant to say was we were window shopping. Because with all the stores closed, we couldn't be shopping shopping, could we, honey? Right, that's what I meant. Window shopping during a riot? It wasn't until we got to Crate and Barrel that this whole riot started up around us. Just started right up. And we didn't want those thugs to turn on us, so we had to fit in with their riotous, thuggy ways. So we decided to break some windows to look all protesty. And keep the black people from breaking them. Yes, what she said. Okay. We gotta get out of here. Is it safe outside? No, no, no. Yes! It is. Perfectly safe, and if you leave right now, it's even safer. But Primo, your bar, the broken windows... I gotta get home. I gotta take care of Betty. Don't you worry about this place. We'll protect your bar, won't we, Chip? To the last drop. Thanks. You two are real lifesavers. But... Uh, Come on, Hank. Bye-bye. The street is... It's crazy out here. It sure is. These cops think they're above the law. You're all wearing masks. Of course we are. This is your last warning. This way! That way to the front of the crowd? We have to go through the police line. They'll protect us! Hey! Let us through! Become one of those Black Lives terrorists! Let them have it! But I'm not black! I'm. Grandma, where are you? I can't see. My eyes are burning. Primo! Esther! Esther! Over here! He was between us and the cops. He got the worst of the gas. It's all dark. All I could see is dark. Okay, boys! Give him another volley! No! I can help you! I'm a nurse! Thank you. We've got to get you out of here. I can help. Give me your arm, mister. I can't see. We've got to wash his eyes uh, out. My house. It's only a few blocks away. But I can't leave. I can take him. You can? Sure. Come on, mister. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I got you. Come on. Around this corner. I got to get to my wife. Where do you live? Uh, Cambridge. At Sweeney. That's not far. Come on. Well, it sounds like Primo had a real... Well, I would say eye-opening experience with the police. <laughs> but he'll be all right. All he has to do is get home. I just hope he isn't left in the dark. We'll find out right after this. 
go now to San Francisco, once called Baghdad by the Bay, a shining jewel on the west coast of the continent. But like many American cities, San Francisco has been recently swept with sickness and racked with riots. These events have led many businesses to close, and who does that leave in the lurch? Why, the landlords, of course. Here's one now. I recently bought a building in San Francisco where the business had already been there for 25 years. But lo and behold, COVID comes along and they decide to close rather than pay me rent. At least now I can find someone who will pay market rate. The problem? The building is covered in murals, rainbows, even mosaics. How am I supposed to rent it to a respectable business with all that sissy stuff? That's why I chose Vandervoort's veneers. I covered it all up in just one coat. With Vandervoort's veneers, it's like it was never even there. And all over San Francisco, you now see condominiums, businesses, and even old Victorians as clean blank slates in every color from alabaster to cream. Wouldn't you like Vandervoort's veneers in your city? Vandervoort's veneers. Cover it up with just one coat. Welcome back, friends. As you recall, Primo is on his way home. I guess something about the protest disagreed with him, or maybe he disagreed with the protest. But either way, now he's feeling a bit gassy, and a new friend is helping him. Are your eyes any better? I can't see a thing. Cambridge Street. That's near that old church. Yeah. What are you doing living there? Used to be the middle of a black neighborhood. My house is on the other side. Near the graveyard? Man, that place gives me the chills. But I hear they're moving it.、Oh, th this way. Graves and all. Generations of black folks dug up, pushed out of town.、Oh, there's nothing to be afraid of there. Just like the rest of the folks that lived here. That church used to be the center of the community. We can cut across. Across a graveyard? You crazy? I gotta get this stuff out of my eyes. Wait, where are you going? I know the way from here. I can see my house. I don't see nothing but fog. It's over there. Mister, wait. Hey. I just gotta get home. I think I can see the lights. Yeah, my eyes are getting better. That's it, right up there. Can I help you? Oh, oh. Did I scare you? I just didn't see you. I'm sorry. Got something in your eyes? Tear gas. What happened?、Uh, the police. The police. Were you breaking the law? Of course not. Why would they do that? I don't know. Didn't they recognize you? Didn't they know you were a good cop? What? How did you? Officer, officer, please! I need help. I'm. I'm not a cop anymore. But I need help. What's wrong? Some guys they beat me up. Beat you up? I don't know why. Was it a gang? Yes. Can you describe them? They're all dressed in blue. Blue. With badges. And they beat you? They beat me to death. To three of them. There was another one there, but he just turned his back. I, I have to go. Can't you help me? No, no, I, I, I have to help me. It's not my gun. You know it's not my gun, right? 
What are you? I don't even have a gun. Tell him. I, uh, I, I can't. Please, I, I don't have a gun. I don't. I know. I, partner, I just stop him. I never had a gun. It's not I, my gun. You saw. Please, I can't. Please, please. It's not mine. It's not mine. It's not. <laughs> I wasn't. I didn't. This is crazy. I'm hearing things. I just gotta get home. Oh, please. Please, officers. Please, please. Just give me my clothes back. I won't tell anyone. I gotta get home. I wanna go home. Get away from me. Get away from me. This isn't real. This isn't happening. This, this isn't happening. I can't see. It's all dark. I'm lost. I'm lost. Hey, officer. Uh, no. No. Can you help me? Not you. I'm going to my friend's for her birthday, but I can't find her house. No, please. I have the address in my pocket. No, don't. It's right here. No, please. Don't reach in your pocket. Can you help no, me? No, no, please. No, don't. Don't. It's right here. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. I didn't do any of it. I was a good cop. But you didn't stop it either. Stop. You turned your back. It wasn't my gun. You didn't stop it. Where's my friend's house? I was like... I can't find it. Do you know I didn't. I didn't do anything. Hey! Mister! I didn't do... I didn't... There you are. I've been looking all over for you. Not as close as you thought, huh? I didn't stop them. Come on, let's get out of here. Leave off! Is that you? Betty! Who else would be shouting for you at this hour? Oh, the looters! They weren't looters. It was just a family. Turned out there was a service at the church. Oh, I gotta wash out my eyes. Who's this with you? Oh, she helped me home. It was awful, Betty. I couldn't see anything. You're home now. You'll be all right. I thought that church was closed. One last funeral, I guess. Must have been a gangbanger. Oh. The police officer said the kid was reaching for a gun. You won't believe it. But when I was crossing the graveyard, I heard a... What the? Freeze! Primo! What are you doing? This is the girl you said helped you get home. What? So, you one of those guys who pulls a gun every time you see a black face? No! No, I'm not... Yeah. Yeah, you are. Don't worry about it, Primo. She's just one of those angry black kids. She doesn't know. Know what? That you were a good cop. They say milk does a body good, unless you're lactose intolerant. But you ever notice some people like their supremacy the way they like their milk? Ice cold and white. Primo had been drinking a steady diet of the white stuff for a long time, and it all came back up in the graveyard. I guess he didn't know he'd been lactose intolerant all along. <laughs> Well, friends, that's all the time we have. You have to go, and I have to get back to work. But please visit me again, won't you? The Abyss is always here for you, filled with tales of what can happen when you have a 
fear of the dark. <laughs> In two weeks, we venture into the science fiction of Dimension 2020 with It Came from R and D. is written by Michael Jean Sullivan, directed by Valina Brown. Commercials written by Marie Cartier. Music and lyrics by Daniel Savio. Music production by Dred Scott. Woodwinds by Dylan Jennings. Brass by Adam Thies. Audio engineering and sound design by Taylor Gonzalez. The Good Cop featured Bob Ernst, Marissa Ellison, Andre Amaradico, Valina Brown, Lisa Hori Garcia, Michael Jean Sullivan, Elizabeth Carter, Milo Carter-Daniels, Marinette Martinez, and starred Brian Rivera as Primo. And until next time, this is Michael J. Asbury, your host, The Gravekeeper. <laughs> And now, a public service presentation. Yes? He's here, Principal Johnson. Thank you, Miss Larkin. Well, Jimmy, I hear you've become quite a handful in class. Your grades are going down, fighting with the other boys. Golly, I'm sorry, Mr. Johnson. And I hear you even quit the baseball team. Now, how are the Bobcats supposed to win the city championship without our star shortstop? Ah, oh, gee, Mr. Johnson. You've always been a good student, Jimmy. What's going on? Well, it's... Ah, oh, nothing. Hey, now, I thought we were buddies. We are. And buddies tell each other everything, right? I, I guess so. Well? Well. What is it, Jimmy? It's... What? Capitalism. Capitalism? And I don't even know what it is, but it sure makes Pop mad. When the factory closed, I figured we'd have plenty of time together, but now he's too mad to even play ball with me anymore. The factory closed down? The boss moved it to some other country. Now Pop's cranky all the time. Him and Mom fight... And Pop says it's all because of capitalism. And that's why you've been acting up in school? I'm sorry, Mr. Johnson. Guess I'm just feeling sore. Capitalism will do that. Gee, Mr. Johnson, what is capitalism anyway? Well, it's the economic system we live in. Golly, I thought we lived in a democracy. Oh, <laughs> that's what a lot of people think, Jimmy. What does capitalism mean, Mr. Johnson? What does it have to do with Pop? Well, Jimmy, let's say this stapler is your father's factory. Awful small factory. It's a metaphor, Jimmy. Oh, how would you like to work in it? With Pop, you bet. And I'll be Mr. Capitalist, who owns it. Pop's boss? Oh, your dad's boss doesn't own the factory, Jimmy. Mr. Capitalist and his friends own it. Heck, Mr. Capitalist doesn't even know your dad. Oh. Now, Jimmy, 
I will pay you one cookie for every five staples you make. Gee, what do I do? All you have to do is this. Wow. One, two, three, four, five. Cookie. Thanks, Mr. Johnson. One, two, three, four, five. Cookie. One, two, three, four, five. Gosh, my fingers are getting awful sore. Cookie. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. Payday, Mr. Johnson. Hey, where are you taking the factory? Well, Jimmy, I just found a country where people are so poor, they will make ten staples for half a cookie. Half a cookie? So I guess that's your last cookie. Wait, wait, wait. I'll do it for half a cookie. Okay, here you go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Here's your half cookie. My fingers are aching something awful. Back to work. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hey, why are you taking the stapler now? I did what you said. I made more staples for half a cookie. Well, I found another country with people so poor, they'll make twice as many staples as you for just a piece of a cookie. But that's too much work for just a piece of cookie. That's what you think. But, Mr. Johnson, what about me and my dad? What about you? Where are we supposed to work? That's your problem. Say, who gets all the cookies that you're not paying the people making your staples now? I do. But why? They're my cookies. Where did you get them? I sell staples. But we made the staples and you get the cookies. I can't hear you. I'm overseas. My fingers still hurt and hey, you never pay me for the last ten staples. Sue me. Gee, this isn't very fair. I made all the staples, but you get all the cookies. And what are you going to do about it? I'll, I'll, I'll tell the president. He'll stop you from moving the factory. My dad voted for him. The president won't let you move my job away. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy. The president is a bigger capitalist than I am. I mean, why do you think he keeps cutting my taxes and giving me bailouts? So you can have all the cookies? Bingo. Wow, no wonder dad's been cranky, because if there are any extra cookies, the people who work for them should decide who gets to eat them. No, Jimmy, that would be socialism. Gee, not another ism. What's this one mean? It's when the folks in the factory get to run things. What happens to all the cookies Mr. Capitalist got? The workers get to share them. Gee! And they can decide what to spend the extra cookies on. Schools, roads, libraries, even playgrounds. You can buy a playground with cookies? It's another metaphor, Jimmy. The point is, the people buy whatever the people need. So in capitalism, the harder my pop and his pals work, the more cookies you get. But in socialism, the harder they work, the more cookies everybody gets. Theoretically. Hey, can Pop still get rich in socialism? Of course he can, Jimmy. But only with his own hard work, not somebody else's. Gosh, that sounds swell. Why don't we get socialism here, Mr. Johnson? Well, it's not that easy, Jimmy. Mr. Capitalist doesn't want to give any real economic power to the people. Power to the people? So he'll do anything to keep power for himself. But if everybody heard about socialism on TV... Read about it in the newspaper. Not much chance of that, Jimmy. The capitalists own almost all the TV and radio stations, almost all the newspapers. So all we get are lies about how great things are. But really, they're only great for Mr. Capitalist and his friends. Gee whiz. Gee whiz indeed. So the capitalists get to keep all the power and all the cookies. Darn. Oh, well, I guess we're stuck with capitalism, Mr. Johnson. You might be right, little fella. Oh, gee. But maybe, just maybe, if enough boys and girls got together, they could throw off the yoke of our capitalist overlords and establish a democratic worker state. Where everyone has enough cookies. It's still a metaphor, Jimmy. But yes, feel better now? You bet. I'm going to go out right now and tell Mom, Pop, and all my friends all about socialism. Thanks, Mr. Johnson. You're welcome, Jimmy. And Mr. Johnson? Yes, Jimmy. Power to the people. That's right, Jimmy. Power to the people. Little Jimmy's Dilemma starred Valina Brown, Michael Jean Sullivan, and Ellen Callis as Little Jimmy. The 
The Mime Troop is a worker-run, multi-ethnic, multi-generational collective of activist artists committed to overthrowing capitalism one musical comedy at a time. And one of these days, we will get it right. Each summer, we tour our shows at a price every member of the working class can afford. Free. But with theaters and parks closed, protesters in the streets, tear gas in the air, and what could be America's last election looming on the horizon, the Mime Troop needed to make sure our message of art, activism, and revolution was part of the resistance. And nothing says revolutionary fervor like radio plays. And for those wondering how a radical theater can survive these capitalist times, it's because of you. The Mime Troop doesn't take corporate sponsorship. You'll never see the AT&T or Comcast Mime Troop. How could we show the hypocrisies of capitalism if we were in bed with the capitalists? So instead, we are in bed with you, our fellow workers. Let's snuggle. And after that, you can support the troop by visiting our website, sfmt.org. Thank you to the San Francisco Arts Commission, SF Grants for the Arts, California Arts Council, USPPP, the Fleischacker Foundation, the Bernard Osher Foundation, the Zellerbach Family Foundation, the Don Stevens and Nicole Bellotti Laugh and Love Fund, this public radio station, and listeners like you. We'll be here in two weeks for more Tales of the Resistance. Hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, that was pretty scary stuff, right, Ed Smith? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you like the little uh, capitalist? Uh, maybe the reality will hit others. Yeah. You know, maybe the reality will hit some people. That, but yeah, that, that was very entertaining. Yeah, and and the thing is too, what's really great about it is that you know they're really their their plots are really ripped from the headlines. You know, and it gives them an ability to be really nimble. Uh, and respond, you know, this one, you know, it's just so perfectly timed in terms of stuff that I was just thinking while they were you know, listening to that as thinking about Portland, uh, you know, stuff that we, I mean, stuff that we've seen right here in DC in terms of dealing, uh, with, with the police. So, uh, I think it makes a whole lot of sense. Anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we'll have episode four in two weeks. And we'll be back with that. Uh, it's great seeing you again, Ed, and uh, of course Mike Masella, our fabulous board engineer. Good to Thank see you, Mike. Mike. Keeping safe, and uh, y'all be careful and safe out there, and keep fighting for your rights. And we'll be back next week, same time, same channel. 